Welcome to Wrestling Makes the World Takes Everybody at Sea, be yours truly alongside the one and only AD. We're back at you again for episode numero trace. Sir, it's been a minute. What's going on? How are you feeling? A big week? A lot going on? Uh, yes, a lot has been going on. I'm excited to talk about it with you. I know. I just I don't know where to, to begin. Just so much going on. I mean, obviously the, the big elephant in the room, which we're going to get to, Bray Wyatt, is officially back. It's been rumored for a while. We didn't know if it was him, if we didn't know if it was somebody else. They left clues, QR codes, uh, just little hints, little little Easter eggs all over the place. Um, just wondering where, who and where and when mm-hmm. is the White Rabbit going to be revealed. Um, but let's we'll get to that in a minute. So let's kick things off. We just had a big event, Extreme Rules in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. South Philly. Keeping it classy today with a little cab franc. Um, a big, a big pay per view event, and um, it's. I get a feeling the tides are turning a little bit. Like we talked about in, on episode one, the Triple H regime a little bit of how things are kind of shifting a little bit, and I, I feel like it's for the better. There's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. things going on, and we're getting to that almost to that Royal Rumble WrestleMania season where some. Really interesting things are, are in the in the hopper with a lot of the returns. So, what are your thoughts on Extreme Rules and uh, where we stand today? Yeah, so for me, this was like the first Extreme Rules that actually felt like an Extreme Rules pay-per-view for the first time in a long time. What Vince Extreme Rules, you got like your casual match or two of Extreme stuff, but this was every single match had a different stipulation, so it was definitely nice to see that. And like even with it being extreme rules, all the matches, the match qualities and all of them were still continuing to be improvements on their pay-per-views compared to when the Vince regime existed. So it's still nice to see that continue from where we were at SummerSlam. It's gradually continuing to stay great, not like kind of, you know, tipping off a little bit or staying on that constant upward trajectory that we want to see. Yes, long-term storytelling and, you know, you got a wrestler's got wrestler's wrestler in charge now, Triple mm-hmm. H. Uh, so I feel like you're seeing that in the promos, you're seeing that in the match quality. Um, so one of the things that stood out was obviously the Brutes versus the Imperium. Give me your thoughts on, you know, kind of a six-man match at, at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, for WWE, there's six-man matches that have never been anything spectacular, but I feel like this ranks up there as one of their better six-man tag matches they've done in a long time. You know, it was an Extreme Rules uh, match. Um, and it absolutely delivered. The fans were off the wall for it. It was a great way to get the crowd going. Um, and I think it was a great way to really continue to build Sheamus because Sheamus has been a very hot character right now. Uh, he had gone from being a heel to all, this, all of a sudden like this you know, piping hot face right now in the company that the fans have just taken to for his hard-hitting style. Uh, and they've just been riding it. So it was nice to see them continue to build his momentum, not try to you know, take it off of him like when Vince was in charge. That probably would have happened. Sheamus would have gotten momentum. Vince would be like, no, I don't like you. You're off. But Triple H seems to be like, I. when a guy has momentum, he goes with the crowd with it. Yes, and uh, I, I agree. Sheamus has kind of been up and down the last decade. He's mm-hmm. had moments where he's uh, going against Triple H himself at WrestleMania, and he's got a, you know, he's in a top contending title feud, even has the belt for a little bit. Uh, and then next thing you know, a month later, he's in like a random tag team, and he's kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, but always a guy that can deliver a good match quality, always has that unique look and character, can perform night in and night out. Uh, I agree, it's good to see him. Uh, you know, he's a chiseled veteran that, uh, with a great look and character that uh, I think can get a crowd engaged anytime he goes out there. Yes, I enjoyed his very hard-hitting match too, which is nice because, you know, like we said, the Extreme World matches in the past weren't that hard-hitting, so it was nice to see, like, right off the jump, 
they established this is Extreme Rules, this is what it's going to be, finally we're getting back to this. So it's nice to see that again. I know, and I'm curious to see what it's going to be like when we get into the War Games at Survivor Series. Yes. As they dial it up again, because... Mm -hmm. Being the War Games has a history to that, and I think Triple H respects that history. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see what kind of crazy stunts they kind of pull out in that. Yeah, I mean, I have high hopes for that, honestly, based off of what they did at this last pay-per-view, with it being, you know, not your normal matches. I'm very excited to see what they go in that route with War Games, uh, you know, especially bringing it from the NXT ranks up to the main roster. I think it's gonna, they're going to nail it. Let's move a little bit, I agree, let's move a little bit to the women and the women's ladder match. Give me your thoughts. So I was a little bit surprised with the women's ladder match. I thought it was going to be Bailey's time to take the title because I feel like Bianca's kind of been there, done that with everything with that title. I mean, she's held it since forever now, it feels like. And I thought it was just time for someone else to take it, especially with Bailey and damage control with how much they've been doing. I kind of see them on the trajectory of like the women's version of the bloodline, kind of. But, you know, with little different nuance because they're not family. Um, so, you know, I thought it would happen, but it didn't. Where they go with that story now with Bailey, I think it can still continues most likely, I'm guessing. Um, because I still think she's the one to most likely derail Bianca from that woman's title. But match quality-wise, you know, it was very good. They had some very nice spots, especially, you know, the ending where Bianca hit her KOD with Bailey holding a ladder and falling right onto it. You know, I thought that was a very uh, intense spot, which, you know, you don't expect from the woman. So it's nice to see them get that kind of treatment where they can do what they want as well. Absolutely. I think of that kind of creative freedom a little bit mm -hmm. to kind of push the envelope. And it's really elevating them as stars. Mm -hmm. um, so the question I have for you is, and we saw a bunch of reconciliations in this new regime, are we going to see the ultimate reconciliation with our friend Sasha Banks? I don't think so. You think because it's I done? Think, I think they're not going to have because, you know, Bailey has her own thing going now, and I think bringing Sasha into it might ruin it because I think the whole purpose of this is to help elevate the newer, younger people in Dakota Kai and Eo Sky. So just throwing Sasha into the mix might throw it off a little bit because, you know, in WWE it's been like the same women at the top rinse repeat so i think it's about time you know they try to spotlight other women and i think this is their way of trying to do that uh by having bailey bring these two new up-and-comers up and i feel like bringing sasha in would just kind of derail that from happening i i tend to agree um uh, i'm all about it's you know it's a new era let's mm -hmm. take this opportunity to build some new stars you know for the last seven eight years we've had the charlottes the Becky Lynch's, the, mm -hmm. uh, the Bailey's, the uh, Sasha's, all kind of that f rotation. Yep, and now Ron and Ronda Rousey now you could say is in that rotation as well. Yeah, it's time to use those names to kind of pass the torch a little bit to the next mm -hmm. generation. Yep, use them to elevate the new generation, for I think, sure. for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so pivoting a little bit to, you know, we talked a little bit about factions off-air, mm -hmm. Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. Give me your thoughts on Judgment Day and where do they kind of go from here? So that was probably personally my favorite match of the night because it had so much storytelling within the match. Um, you know, it had many swings throughout the match. You thought Edge was going to quit, then you thought Finn, then you thought Edge. And then, you know, the ending of the match had so much drama to it where Beth Phoenix comes out, Rhea Ripley takes her out with brass knuckles, and then they have the scene where uh, Rhea has Beth set up for the concerto to make Edge quit. And then, you know, they still go through with it. 
you just see, like, you know, the way Edge sold the drama on his face, like, you want to know what's going to happen now from here, because it seems like now Edge and Beth are going to take a little sabbatical, um, and you wonder when they come back what's going to happen, because now the Judgment Day are now in a new storyline with the OC, with Triple H, you know, adding his collection of old stars brings back Gallows and Anderson just out of nowhere. No one expected that one to happen. Um, so I'm curious to see where them and the OC go, um, especially with that whole Bullet Club, you know, lineage storyline going there. It's a nice little thing they can explore um, because, you know, AJ said he's Finn's keeper. Um, so I'm curious to see where that goes with that. But Judgment Day, I think, you know, for Finn leading the, that young group of priests, Mysterio, who's starting to come into his own a little bit, you know, when he first came up, he's always been seeing this guy with very little personality, he had to rely on his dad for everything, so it's nice to finally see some character and development out of him. And then Rhea Ripley, I think, has always been extremely talented, I think. She's, like, future main eventer consistently, like, she's had the taste of it, but I think in the future she's going to be that consistent top person because she has the look, she's great on the mic, you know, she has a great charisma to her. Um, so I think as a whole unit, Judgment Day has done a great job, and I'm curious to see, you know, how AJ and the OC, you know, mesh with them in a storyline together. Uh, I'm excited about it. I love that they brought back Gallows and Anderson. Mm -hmm. I, I just always thought they had that superstar kind of charisma, and they belonged at the top, I and mean, it's fine what they did in, in Impact for the last couple of years. They had a nice little run with Kenny Omega mm -hmm. and uh, Don Callis in AEW during Kenny's big run, um, but... I like that they're getting this one kind of final big push along mm -hmm. with AJ, who's a certified Hall of Famer someday, uh, that those guys are kind of getting that one last big hurrah in their careers before they decide to hang it up. Yeah, so you wonder, you know, with the Judgment Day too, does it this lead to eventually maybe like Finn leaving the Judgment Day and joining the OC at the storyline? There's a lot of different routes they can go, um, but you know, even outside that's a good addition to the tag team division, which for several years has been lacking in WWE. You've seen just like the main event scene, it's been the same tag teams, rinse repeat, just flipping the titles back and forth between those teams. So it's nice to see them add another team in, hopefully into that title picture uh, to, you know, hopefully further their tag team division because it's very been lacking for the last several years. And, you know, Triple H and NXT has always shown like he can deliver great tag team matches, so I think he'll continue to do that because those titles have been ignored for a long time. I feel like I agree, and it's been uh, I don't I think I don't think it's a secret that Vince McMahon wasn't a big fan of tag team wrestling. He was yeah. more about building single stars, mm -hmm. but I think Triple H appreciates it a little more, mm -hmm. and hopefully will give it the spotlight that it deserves because it can be if done right storytelling is off the charts. It's magic. It is, it really is. And I like that they're not insulting the intelligence, they're kind of playing to that history a little bit that AJ Styles and Finn Balor have mm -hmm. dating back the last 10 years. Yep. Times in Japan and this kind of rebel kind of faction that's kind of went around the world to different promotions and kind of has little spin-off organizations all over the place, still active in New Japan mm -hmm. and Still has uh, some lineage and impact with with some so stars there. No. Uh, still has lineage in AEW with um, obviously with Adam Cole and the Bucks and Kenny Omega still kind of in a, a faction there. And then you've got another version with AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson. So it's almost like the Bullet Club, like in in, in a really cool kind of unique way, kind of took over the world, mm -hmm. so to speak. Oh, it did. By literally they have 
a presence in every major promotion. And most of them are top guys in those promotions, too. It's it's really cool, and I'm excited to see what happens. Mm -hmm. I am, too. For sure. All right, so the big elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. We got our answer. We got the answer who the white rabbit was. We'll take a sip of Cab Franc and we just think about it a little bit. As we record this, it's Friday evening, uh, right after the SmackDown conclusion. Mm-hmm. The one and only Bray Wyatt has made his return. Yes, and you know. So give me your thoughts. I'm happy they finally gave everyone what they wanted. I'm happy they didn't drag it out longer. So I think if they had dragged it out a lot longer, people would have gotten frustrated. Um, so. I think everyone got what they wanted it being Bray. It's very interesting to see where it's going because, you know, even after tonight, you still don't know. Like, I think that's the great thing about Bray. He's so great at storytelling. He always leaves you guessing what happens next. You know, he's not that person who's very predictable. He's very methodical with what he does. You know, evident that was his buildup to his uh, return at Extreme Rules. And I was continuing that by keeping you in that world of wonder at the end of SmackDown, where he comes out, you know, as himself, you know, giving this heartfelt promo, and then at the end, this character that has shown Extreme Rules with the mask comes and kind of tells Bray, you know, look, I'm, you know, I'm in control now. Like, that's what it, it, I interpreted it as. And you wonder if it's kind of like Bray has all these different kind of personalities, and the guy with the mask is the one that controls it all. You know, it's it's a lot to really digest, though. It is. Uh, I I would say I always say that man is a true artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creativity, the charisma is off the charts. I mean, just when he came out, and the pa- like the little details, like the pauses, he looks around, he swings the lantern, and really blows it out, and he lets it lets the crowd marinate on it a little mm-hmm. bit. So they got their their flashers out on their phone. And when he grabbed the mic, I was not expecting that. To where he, t- I thought he was going to go into full-blown Bright yep. Wyatt character yep. and start challenging somebody and kind of speaking uh, you know, in tongues, saying, like, I'm coming back to take over the, the organization and all this. But yep. it was, there was no character. It was a raw, real-life-inspired, heartfelt promo, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It was Bray Wyatt just speaking one-on-one. You felt it felt all of it yeah it was a pleasant surprise because like it was something you never saw coming like like you said when he came out tonight i expected to be like all right let's get down the business now what are you and what are we here to do but he came out with that version of bray we've never seen which is like him true his true self and it was a nice thing to see and you wonder if you're gonna see that more still leading into this story with this whoever is control character i'm guessing or is this a one-time, one-off thing, and then we're going to go back to this mass character that is in charge that is part of Bray. Well, I think I feel like they kind of left us in a cliffhanger because it kind of ended mm-hmm. very abruptly. Was it? Yes. It had like a Sopranos finale theme, like uh, ending where, uh, like, wait, did, is it over? Did like and then the, the ten o'clock news came on? I'm like, did, is is that it? Are we missing something? Did I miss something? Did I blink and miss something? Yes. Yeah, so I'm kind of getting a little vibes of like when Bray came in with the fiend in the Firefly Funhouse, like, he started with that very happy Bray character and, like, gradually gave you little nuggets week by week by week leading up to that theme thing. I think we might see, like, a similar blueprint to that where each week now we're going to get little, little nuggets till eventually, like, we go into the full thing of, okay, this is what's happening, which I kind of enjoy that. I don't want my info right away. I like the storytelling of it, and he's probably one of the best to do it. Um, so 
that's how I'd prefer like the storyline to just have that nice slow build because that's really keeps the fans interested. It's going to keep their ratings up too because the fans are going to turn every, tune in every week and say, "All right, where's this going now with Bray?" So I think it's smart of them to not you know blow their load right away and say, "This is Bray now," you know, once you keeps you one more. Uh, I agree. It's um, it's long term storytelling that I really really enjoy. Uh, I don't like all. I don't like my entree to come out right away. I like to have an appetizer, maybe a cup of soup, maybe another glass of wine, maybe mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's let's have a conversation first. Let's uh, you know, like maybe a couple of pot stickers or something like that, and then like and then when time is right, then they bring out mm -hmm. the sizzling steak. It's hooked just perfectly, and then you get the the, the dessert at the end. Yes, and I think. He's I'm sure with way Brady, with his track record, he's going to deliver, and, you know, fans aren't going to be disappointed in what he does. I don't think fans have ever been disappointed on any of his characters that he's done. Uh, I agree, and I'm definitely intrigued, but my next question is, who's his first opponent? Who's his first feud? Where do they go with all of this? Because it is a wrestling angle. They have to pay it off in a ring somehow. So, yeah, he's on SmackDown, which, you know, originally my thoughts were, you know... Coming back, the way the show ended, I thought it was going to be Matt Riddle, but Matt Riddle is a Raw superstar. Um, oof. Maybe now I could see possibly a Rey Mysterio storyline. Now that Rey Mysterio's on SmackDown, I can see that being uh, something that's entertained. Um, maybe something with Drew McIntyre even, too, because Drew McIntyre's kind of exploring this, you know... Dark storyline side to him. He started with Karrion Cross, so they could continue into that maybe with Bray. But really, you know, I don't have a definitive answer on who I think yet, just because I need to see more of where this character development's going, and if it's going to be a heel character or a face character that we're leading into. I'm going to guess it's a heel character we're leading into, but I need to know more before I can give a definitive answer, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think Bray Wyatt's a true blue heel. It's mm -hmm. just the way, I think he's just made for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think they probably start off warm. They give him some kind of light feud that he could just squash somebody on pay-per-view. Just, think, I mean, the guys have been in the ring in, what, a year and a half at this mm -hmm. point. So I think they're going to uh, have some sort of short squash thing on a pay-per-view where we get to see what this new version of Bray Wyatt looks like. Yeah, when he I like what they did when he came out with the theme with Finn. Yep, squashed him in less than 10 minutes and blew the fans mind uh, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and then of course they screwed it all up like a month later at the hell of cell pay review seth rollins mm -hmm. so they have a chance to undo all that and redo that and build up to that big moment and we get to see what this new character is if it's a yes. new version or if it's some kind of hybrid between the other multiple personalities bray wyatt this yep. is our opportunity to do that. Which I would like to see the multiple personalities because, you know, I've loved all the versions I've seen at Bray Wyatt, so I'd kind of like to see some versions revisited, you know, especially The Fiend. I would like to see revisited, you know, even if it's just, like, for a brief moment because I feel like, you know, that didn't get the run it deserved and it was such a hot character. So it would be nice to see that appear again. I You know, I think it needs a little more time to shine. I agree 100%. Um, so you mentioned something interesting. I'm going to segue a little bit. Uh, you said, I think his first feud might be Matt Riddle, but he's a Raw superstar. So mm -hmm. my next question I want to ask you, at this point in 2022, almost 2023, uh, we've had this version of the brand extension since 2006, summer of 2016. Do we mm -hmm. think it's outplayed? Do we think there's a future of it? Or do we think 
would you scrap it? If you were the general manager right now, would you just get rid of it or would you make it work? See, I feel like we're in an area uh, with them within the company now where there's like this gray line where they don't even know what it is because they have these combined champions um, with Roman and the Bloodline having all the titles. Uh, I feel like that's what's blurred the line for people, but I think the brand extension for me personally works because when it was one whole thing you could show up on any show, I feel like you would just keep seeing the same guy show up on both shows. And why I like the brand extension is it allows more of an opportunity for other guys to have their time to shine. Because I felt like when they were as one, it was just, you'd see the same exact guys on Raw, same exact guys on SmackDown, the same guys would get forgotten all the time. Whereas this, it really allows guys to have their time on the roster um, and have guys more time to develop. Like I feel like Sheamus, for example, if it wasn't for the brand extension, he might not, you know, come back up through the ranks. You may not see guys he's with, like Butch, for example, formerly done, you know, start to get over and start to shine. So that's why I think the brand extension is so great. For that reason, it gives more guys opportunity to shine because they're only said exclusive to that brand. Um, you know, outside of Roman and the Bloodline, I mean, they kind of try to stick to that. I agree. And my thoughts on the brand extension, if you're going to do it, do it, do it right. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a fan of the original brand extension back in 2002 through 2012. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, towards 2011, 2012, it kind of faded away and they just kind of quietly um, just let it go. But the original brand extension where they had... Essentially, Raw and SmackDown, they looked different. They had look, they had the different sets, different look and feel, the ring. That this mm -hmm. Raw was more character story driven, where SmackDown was more focused on the athleticism. Um, you just felt like they were different products. They never really, for several years, crossed that line of having stars go over, mm -hmm. unless there was some kind of trade or something like that, which they would do on a rare occasion. But it felt like they were almost two different companies, two different entities, two different shows mm -hmm. to where today's version of the brand extension the two shows kind of look very similar they use the same set the same kind of production quality one's red one's blue whatever mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stars kind of do cross over still a little bit um, so I think if you're going to do it uh, do it right and then like have them look and feel different um, if not then just merge it together and mm -hmm. and just elevate the biggest stars you can and just kind of use that five hours of main TV time mm -hmm. um, just to highlight the best the best the best I do think with Smackdown I do notice slightly a difference compared to Raw I think Smackdown's more you know in ring oriented than Raw I think that could be because of time purposes as well because Raw is that extra time where it allows them to do more you know promos and outer ring stuff whereas you know Smackdown's that short two hours so I think Smackdown's more like I guess you would call it like sport oriented versus Raw so I do notice a difference but I think if each show had its own champions completely separate from each other it would make more sense with the brand extension it would feel more like they're separate but because of the combined champion that Vince did for whatever reason you know I think that kind of has you know made people question it and you know maybe there's a way they can split them back up but we don't know if that's in their plans or not yet yeah, that's, that's a tough spot because you've had Roman hold the title for over two years at this point. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have him lose, you got to make it make it work. Like, it's got to be a big moment. And when the moment he does lose, it's going to feel like when The Undertaker lost his streak at WrestleMania. It's gonna, it felt like, oh my God, it happened, this happened. Um, 
So they have to do it. And they got to protect him though. Like they can't have him take a fall. Like it's got to be yeah. for a good reason. Yeah, this ring. I think he might hold it till WrestleMania, unless they find a way at like maybe War Games. They find some stipulation where he drops the belt without taking the hit, or you know maybe the Royal Rumble. I. But I don't see it happening. I know I'd like to see it, him drop one of the belts because then, it, once again, it's allowing more opportunity for other guys to have that spotlight where he's been the guy for so long. It's not allowing other guys to have that run as champion, which, you know, there's some guys out there that really deserve a run, but they can't because Roman has it, and I feel like they're still kind of holding on to Roman as that champion to have that Cody Rhodes storyline at Mania, and, you know, it's kind of holding back everyone else as a result so it's interesting you mentioned cody rose at wrestlemania uh which they could easily set that up it's it all the puzzle pieces are kind of pointing in that direction mm -hmm. we got a little easter egg this week on social media with our friend friend Dwayne the rock johnson mm -hmm. essentially throwing a little bit of a jab at his um his family member a little bit yeah saying that he's the head of the table and essentially it kind of felt like they could be working a program somewhere soon, particularly in in uh, Englewood, California at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, I, I did see that. Um, I still don't think it's going to happen just because of the reason of you know Roman's probably going to win. I'd even like to see that maybe at like SummerSlam. That'd be an interesting match to see after Roman has dropped the belt uh, to Cody. Then it can lead into that, you know, Roman still claims he's head of the table even though he's fallen off and the Dwayne Johnson comes in like, no, it's always been me. I'd like to see that story maybe after Mania uh, because, you know, I feel like it's kind of predictable what would happen if The Rock and Roman had a match at Mania, Roman would win, and then you're stuck with Roman still as champion even longer. And I feel like at that point, when I get to Mania, Roman's had the run he's deserved. I think it's time for someone else to kind of take the reins of the company and go with it. Yeah. And our, I mean, I don't even rule it out that they have it at a giant, like, Saudi Arabia stadium show someday because they'll just throw ridiculous money to mm -hmm. make it all happen. Um, it, I agree, it could be, I feel like it's got to be a big moment like a mania, but then what does that do for the Cody Rhodes kind of situation? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, especially since, too, there's been nuggets thrown out this week also as well that Cody's ahead of schedule with his rehab, and they're still saying Rumble's the projection for him to come back. So, you know, if you're having him when the Rumble, like everyone projects he's going to win, then it would have to be to face Roman. It would have to be. Um, I think it's more likely, if I had to bet on if it's going to be Cody or The Rock, I would probably lean more towards Cody because of The Rock's um, you know, other business ventures and movie commitments mm -hmm. and all that. For them to take the time to... The Rock hasn't really been in the ring in nine years or something like that. And the last time he tore his peck in the yes, ring. it was 2013. I mean... Yep. His last official match was a squash against Eric Rowan at WrestleMania 32, but mm -hmm. it was literally rock bottom and yep. a pin. Yep. Um, but his last time he was in the ring was nine years ago, so almost coming up on ten years ago. So for him to actually shake off that rust, get in shape again, to have a solid, respectable match, uh, it might take a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. So this could be something maybe they're building out for a little while. Longer. Yeah, I don't think he has a time to schedule to truly train for a big match, you know, especially with all these movie deals. You know, he might not want to risk getting hurt again and delaying any movie that he has. You know, he's one of the top guys in Hollywood, too, which is another reason why I think it might 
not happen for that reason or it's going to be when he has an extended time off from shooting anything that he has to commit to I'm doing this I'm not taking anything to do this match well and also this year he's also launching relaunching the XFL mm-hmm. the spring is right in that time period they're kicking off in February so he's going to be like trying to start up a football league and all his other businesses that he has and his movie commitments and then also find time to train and tell a story here on, on WB television yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, I think. So that's why I still lean the Cody route personally. I agree, but that's what makes it fun. It's mm-hmm. gonna be a fun fall leading into the winter. But I think we're I think we're out of time for this edition. I think we uh, covered a lot here, um, but a lot to talk about. Yes, and uh, we will absolutely keep our fingers on the pulse of everything going on in the uh, wrestling world, and we'll talk about it right here on Wrestling Makes the World Takes. See you next time, everybody. See you next time, folks.